You're listening to K&J Recaps. Welcome back to K&J Recaps. We are recapping episode 10, the season finale of season one of Westworld. I am Jess. I am Kim. Kim, we have just finished, A, we finished season one, and we finished with a bang with a 90-minute episode. What were your initial high-level thoughts of that season finale? I am blown away. Like, yeah. I'm still um, sort of taking it all in. Like, I honestly can't believe how much they packed, even in 90 minutes. Um, yes. There was so, so much new information. There were fan theories confirmed. There were new cliffhangers and a lot of unanswered questions that I think is going to make season two a really great uh, and interesting season again. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And then there were some parts that I just thought were so elegantly done, like beautifully done. Everything with Anthony Hopkins, I just yes. feel like takes it to a whole other level. Um I think, I, honestly, I don't think that they really could have done a better job, in my opinion, of of ending this season. What What did you think? Very much the same. Um, I thought it was really well done in the sense that if they had not been renewed, I would be very satisfied with that style of ending, even if this were the only season they did. Yes. Um, and yet I agree with you completely that there is obviously like the room open uh, for the second season. It's been one of those ones where, you know, if I catch myself daydreaming even today while the day after, I'm thinking through, like, different parts of it and what does that mean. Um, Just, yeah, absolutely. And then I saw Evan Rachel Wood has, you know, is a pretty prolific tweeter and she's done a lot of great tweets. But she tweeted about going back and rewatching again, this time seeing instead of looking. And I thought that Mm -hmm. was really well said um and it's so true so you know after a little bit of a break i would love to go back and knowing what we know at the end of this really watch it again i thought they even with all of the millions of fan theories i think they still did a great job of surprising us absolutely like there there were things that i just did not see coming the revelation with mave i have not seen anyone um, you know, hit that nail on the head with the exception actually of one of our listeners, Raymond, who um, called it like last week, he tweeted that he thought maybe Ford could be the architect of um, Maeve's storyline. So kudos Raymond. Like I think we're ahead of the curve on that because I did not see that coming at all. Um, And um, we'll speak more uh, to Maeve's storyline when we get to that. But I thought that that was an amazing revelation. Um, And then of course the whole the whole Ford f- finale yeah. was was really unexpected uh, also. So Ford has been a character that we've been talking about and like kind of struggling to really kind of get to the heart of his motivations all yeah. season. So it was great to really get to the heart of that too. Um, and so, for it yeah. to be what it was because, you know, you really struggled with, um, with who he was and what he stood for and just and those last – a lot about the contradictions where what he's saying and what he was doing just were not kind of measuring up together. Right. And, um, yeah. So, and then the fan theories confirmed too, although we felt very secure in our assumptions about the, uh, multiple timelines and William is the man in black to have that confirmed is great. So we can kind of stop wondering and we have, we have that now. Um, I 
question whether the man in black will be back for season two. I think maybe the older version will be, but the younger version, I think that story has maybe come to an end. Right. Um, Yeah. So there's just kind of like, there's a lot and I'm super excited for season two. Um, But you're right. Had they not, had they not come, I know so long to wait, but like, had they not come back, even though there were still some unanswered questions, like where is Stubbs? Where is Elsie? Like, There's stuff we don't know, but um, uh, yeah. But they did a very good job of kind of bringing this the story to a close without closing down all of the you know potential for future storylines. Of course, we want to know what Maeve is going to do. That's a big one for sure, too. Yes, what's going to happen with Delos? I mean, what does this do? Ford's whole speech at the end, especially on the rewatch, when you actually have time to absorb more of what is being said there about, you know, the into darkness, the start of the war. I mean, what does this really look like, um, both within the park and outside of the park, and what can be covered up and what can't be? And um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it is... The, you know, the start of an uprising. And yes. um, Ford has choreographed in the most elegant way with his um, narrative that sort of seamlessly pulled together um, all of the strings to um, have all of the, you know, working parts come together at the end um, in order to kind of allow this new people to rise up. And that's exactly what he was saying in his final speech, which I, you know, I thought was, um, just such great storytelling by the, by the, um, showrunners. Absolutely. So it's been, uh, quite the ride for us. So before we, you know, dive into it, I'd love to take the time off the top where we have probably the most listeners uh, to say thanks to everybody (laughs) who's listened throughout the past 10 weeks. Um, I don't think any of us knew what we were getting into with this show. And I mean that in terms of the broad audience, not just the two of us. Um, But it's been a real delight. And uh, so thank you to everybody who's given feedback or followed us or subscribed, all of those things. Um, We'd super appreciate, you know, appreciate any kind of rating or review even going forward. We absolutely uh, intend on being back here for season two. Um, and maybe Kim, do you want to talk about our thoughts for the winter season? Yeah, absolutely. So we have already mentioned that we are recapping, uh, The Walking Dead. So Mm -hmm. that one is going to be back after the, um, mid-season hiatus. So, um, if you'd like to tune into that one, that would be amazing. But, um, we're really excited to, to come back with, uh, the AMC slash BBC show Humans. Uh, so that is one that has aired season one, I think over a year ago on AMC. Yeah. Season two has actually just aired in the UK, but the um, North American airing is going to start in February, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so Humans is actually another artificial intelligence show. Uh, <laughs> but we do exclusively com- robots here on <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Well, I, like, I don't know why we, um, we did end up with uh, some back-to-back robot shows but hey yeah. i mean if you like robots in westworld you'll probably like robots and humans so agreed uh come back and listen to us for that one so yeah it's i don't know a different a different take on ai but some of the similar moral questions and stuff and um, yeah i mean it's not a nolan tv show so it doesn't have the mystery and the 
mind-blowingness, but I agree with you. Like, I think even more so it deals with the ethics of what these incredibly human-like, you know, artificial intelligence, quote-unquote, uh, is like integrated into society. And it's mm-hmm. got some fantastic British talent. Uh, yes. As an Anglophile, I always <laughs> like love that because I love British things. But um, I think it'll be a lot of fun to discuss. So we'll probably recap season one just to get ourselves back into it and then start off with recapping episode by episode of season two. So please look for us through KNJ Recaps. Uh, we have a website, kjrecaps.com, rather. And also, of course, in your app, podcast app of choice, uh, you can find us. So just a plug for where we're going to be after this tragic end to the first season of Westworld. Sad face. Sad face. Anthony Hopkins, I will miss you in season two. I if know. If you are in fact gone. If you are in fact dead and not a host. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I like, um, yeah. Anyway, we could talk about that when we get to that, that we, part. Yeah. yeah. We, we've had a couple of tweets about that. Um, so yeah, we'll talk to, we'll talk to that one when we get yeah. to that scene, but yeah. I feel like we better dive in because Absolutely. our podcasts are two hours long at a 60 minute show. So we're going to have to push this along. We are going to, yeah, keep it short and snappy on the recaps and organize our thoughts here. There's a lot of exposition, so it'll be interesting because we don't normally deal with that much exposition. So let's see how this goes. Fair enough. Um, Okay, so this opening scene was incredible. This was Mm. um, Dolores is speaking in voiceover and she's saying how she's in a dream. Um, And as we hear her speaking, she is in the process of being created by Arnold. Um, So it's like her, um, her face and head is being attached to this metal skeleton and she wakes up for the first time and Arnold welcomes her to the world and then just this very short scene but where we see Dolores with only like skin covering an arm and her face yeah uh, just get up from the table and um and move around in her metal skeleton and that was really really well done I felt um And then back in present day, Dolores is holding the Man in Black's knife. And she, like, she's confused. You know, she has just um, sort of come back to this moment after being in a memory and doesn't even know what she's in the middle of doing. And she is, um, oddly enough, shaving the Man in Black. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, So I'm not sure how they... They got to that position. Transition to that? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. So as he is, uh, as he's being shaved by Dolores, he's talking about being close to the center of the maze and how it's fitting that that it would be her that would bring him there. And um, he mentions that he'd been there before with her, but it was covered in sand. So the revelation of the man in black as William is really starting from the very first scene here. Yes. Um, And so across the town, Dolores sees Arnold. And when she sees him, the town is crowded with people. But of course, when... She is with the man in black. It's empty. Um, So she just, she goes after him. And the man in black follows. Yeah, so that kind of continues on throughout. So we can kind of talk more about, I guess, where the ending of that ends up. So then we just transition to (laughs) William and Logan. Man, things have changed dramatically from when they arrived at this park for these two. Because at this point, Logan's being dragged by a rope behind a horse, which is actually what we end up seeing William doing at the end. Well, not at the end, but later in life, I guess, with Lawrence, right? Well, I mean, Lawrence, yeah. He's got 
real real brother-in-law logan uh being dragged around and they're still looking for well william's still looking for dolores and logan's like we're never gonna find her it would take an army but of course we know that lawrence and his men you know split up to go you know track down the army so william has a total plan so thoughts like even just from the beginning on william's transition even further in this i know we talked last episode about you know him dismembering all the hosts and all the robotic you know pieces that he kind of ripped apart but you know it's even that much further in this episode in terms of yeah I mean, yeah. I think that in the later scene when we get the whole story from the man in yeah. black, um, who I'll continue to call the man in black just to differentiate between I him and helpful. the younger Agreed. William. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that when the, the man in black is telling Dolores this story of William trying to find her, I mean, um, that is obviously showing us the depths to which like William has sunk in his like depravity like he is not only um trying to find Dolores but is kind of like reveling in the killing um of yes. all of the hosts and Logan question mark <laughs> 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 on his journey like I think that they have naked done a really a what yeah. naked on yeah, a like... horse at the end there yeah yeah my, my question is whether or not Logan He's... makes it out alive yeah I feel like there's the distinct possibility that he's going to, like, die of exposure naked in the sun on that horse, but... Um... Yeah. Um, I assumed he did, and it was just, like, the uh, final humiliation, that he's not going to be able to come back and even challenge William for Delos management. He just, like, William just beats him in every sense, and then I didn't get the sense that he necessarily killed him, but this is, like... You know, he is going to be obviously like super exposed. And even if he went back, I feel like people would be like, oh, you just got super drunk and, you know, like yes, ended which... up drunk on a horse. And he's going to be like, no, William went insane. <laughs> people right. would be like, whatever. <laughs> like, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I do think that they did a really good job of showing the um, sort of character arc of William going from good guy uh, who's kind of playing a part to just saying fuck it all. And White hat to black, absolutely. Yes, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, it's really poignant too to know that Dolores and his fear for Dolores' safety is what drove him to become this, you know, black hat person and then to have that all shattered, that he has gone through all of that to find her and then find out that she never cared for him in the first place, as far as he's concerned, right? When she he sees the, um, the loop begin all over again with a different guest, right? Like, so I think that they did a good job of showing us why sweet William, who arrived at the, at the park in, you know, 35 years ago, is now this, like horrible terrifying person that he is now that's interesting because i i've had a couple of comments from people uh just who i know who watch the show that that's the part they're struggling a little bit with and i agree with you i mean the age that william is you know in in young william and the man in black imagine that entire length of time being stuck in a groundhog day loop where this woman who you you know who you once had a real connection with um doesn't 
you know, it just is gone. And how he talks about, you know, he tried to continue with her for a while and then he got bored and he went on other adventures. Um, but it's interesting. They have no way of showing that to you other than through some like ridiculous montage or something. Um, right. <laughs> so you kind of have to like piece it together a bit yourself. And it is pretty horrific how he ends up. Uh, although you can really see that starting to happen even in this episode. So yeah, when he talks about being like, that's helping him find himself and then what he transitioned into and then yes, what he must have gone through from her, the way she was on the train versus yeah, when she's restarted her loop. I just really think that it was like William finally felt like he had found something good and something true and something that he wanted to like be good for and um you know ironically in doing so you know like in falling for her he was willing to do anything to get her back and um he wanted to be I don't know like her savior and then to have all of that crushed I think that he was just like why fucking bother like what 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 is the point of it all you know well, and then he, you know, basically participates in the park and then he ends up, you know, killing Maeve and her daughter as an attempt to just see how bad he truly can be. And in doing so, he feels like he gl- gets a glimpse of them being human. And so it continues, right? Like it, it exit on further so that he, his mission then is to just figure out how to see some sort of, you know, or make them even the scales or, you know, make My it a question, real... though, is like, you know, what were his plans when he got to the center of the maze and he was able to kind of like make the stakes real and the guests were no longer destined to win, the hosts could fight back. Like, then what was he going to do? Yeah, I feel like. I think he's a man on a bit of a suicide mission for sure. Like what is there left to live for? But I also think that he assumes that with that same risk comes the reward of her being able to really love him. You know what I mean? But like, I don't, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely see what you're saying there. And I would have said that like an episode ago, but in this episode, even when she reveals that she remembers William, that she truly loved him and their love was real. He was like, not interested yeah i just i think he thinks that it's not real because then he stabs her and he's like yeah thanks for reminding me it's not real you know like um because she won't put the gun up against his head and shoot him like it's as soon as that happens where i feel like it um you know he kind of like comes crashing down around him but the happiest the man in black has ever looked is when he gets shot in the arm at the end so you know maybe yeah, it is true. just a wish to be mortal and to go out in the park i don't know but he's like thrilled at that point um <laughs> okay so in the interest of not being 3 hours long yeah <laughs> okay so next scene um okay so teddy who of course was killed by angela at the end of the last episode he's on the train uh coming into sweetwater at the beginning of his loop like he always is but as he's walking into town his demeanor changes and like the music slows down that we're hearing and he begins to remember um so he sees bodies in the streets and like a wolf running amongst them and this is definitely in sweetwater but there's the question, I feel, of whether he is 
remembering the same massacre that was at the town in the white church. And we saw flashbacks of this earlier in the season, too. The same scene with the wolf um, in the same place. Uh, right. When Dolores is um, meeting Maeve outside of the um, Yeah. And it is like in Sweetwater. I'm sure it is. You know, like yeah, it, that was definitely in Sweetwater, and this was as well. I'm just wondering whether they're remembering a massacre that took place in Sweetwater, or yeah. if they were simply remembering the same massacre and superimposing it on the surroundings that they're in right, you know, in that yeah. moment. Um, but I don't know. In any case, ah, what's the wolf? doing there yeah, i don't know other than just like constant tributes to game of thrones i have no idea like <laughs> um i don't know and yeah. then uh teddy sees dolores sort of walk out into the street uh and you know he is obviously remembering more and more of this uh massacre that we um see in the town in the white church also so um in the midst of his memories someone bumps into him and he just like on autopilot kills kills the host that bumped into him. He doesn't even seem to realize what he's doing. Um, yeah. And then he runs back to the train, jumps back on, and uh, goes after Dolores. So, like, everybody starts screaming and running. Is that just because he shot the one guy? I think so. It just seems like in Sweetwater, that's, like, a pretty tame morning. But, like, like maybe it is if a guest... I mean, right. no, I mean, like, remember when William shot the guy for the first time that was the guy who, like, escaped from the prison and took Clementine hostage? Yes. Everybody was screaming and crying around there, too. Yeah, And true. when, when Maeve slit the new Clementine's throat, like... Yeah. Yeah. Although that was... Well, and then maybe this is off, like, because I, I think I tweeted that, too. It's like, it's like off loop and yet on loop in the sense that obviously Ford has a plan for him, but... It, like the other hosts don't know it, so they're reacting. I don't know. Anyway, I wasn't sure if that was. It just struck me that everyone's like really running away, and he just like shot the one guy. But yeah, maybe I just didn't desensitize to Westworld violence. <laughs> <at this point. laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't think anything was too strange about that. Okay, perfect. Um, so then we're back with Dolores and the Man in Black. So. She has been following, like we said, Arnold. They end. She ends up in the church, and then she's back in the her blue dress, and she's alone. And Arnold's sitting there, and she says that she tell she tells him that she knows where his maze ends, and she takes him by the hand out to the cemetery, and then it transitions back into present day. So Dolores is with the man in black. She walks along those graves, which we've seen for quite a long time, um, and she finds her one with her name on it. Digs. And she finds this toy maze with the same symbol that we've been seeing everywhere. Um, and then we're back to with Bernard. So he talks about that same concept of consciousness that we saw Ford introduce way back, which was the pyramid. But he talks about how he made a mistake in the sense that you would ascend a pyramid. And instead, it's about going inward at each of these levels. So it's not a pyramid. The better example is that it's a maze. And he's asking her what the center is. Does he under, Does she understand with the voice that he's been wanting her to hear? She says she doesn't understand, but he's like, well, you're so close. We have to go tell Robert because he can't open the park. Um, you're alive. So, yeah. Like, did you think... So, to me, this is, like, what leads... Just like we see that... that it transitioned to then we're Dolores outside, you know, when very young Anthony Hopkins comes running through and he's like, Arnold, we need to talk. This is 
beyond the pale or whatever. Like those are continuations yeah. of this scene. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't think that Dolores ever fully gets there in the past. She does say that she solved it before, but I don't think that she truly did. This is as yes. close as she came. And um, Arnold is essentially like, close enough. You're alive. Like, yeah. We're really close to you getting there. We're going to shut it down now. And that then led to the argument that we saw that, you know, with super young Ford brushing by Dolores in the hallway. Um, I do think that that is, yeah. like, immediately yeah. connected. Completely. Um, so then we're back in present day, and the man in black is not thrilled. He grabs the toy, wants to know what it means, and she just says that she solved it once, um, and they said that they would set her free. So this is leading into exactly what you're talking about. I think we should, you know, dive into that a bit later when we're a little bit closer to what the other things that happen are. Sure. Um, so Arnold tells Dolores that Ford doesn't see what he sees. <clears throat> this is like um, immediately following the argument that we just uh, mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously Ford is not of the same opinion as Arnold, um, where he believes that Dolores is alive. Um, so Ford says that he thinks that humans would see them as an enemy and that he wants to just roll Dolores back and open the park as scheduled. But Arnold says that he can't fathom it, that um, that would be essentially sentencing Dolores to a lifetime of like pain and horror in the park. Um so he is going to break the loop before it begins. And to do that, he needs Dolores to kill all the hosts in the park and Teddy will help her. So he gives Dolores a gun and uh, tells her that he's she's going to help him destroy this place. And then he does something on a behavior tablet, which we don't see at this moment, but I think is her, her being uploaded with the Wyatt um, yeah. personality Sorry. that we see later in the episode. Um, so I found this like yeah. so interesting because I I really it's like Arnold was too soon he read too much consciousness into his hosts when they did not necessarily have it in my mm-hmm. mind and you know Ford later on I love this discussion I love his final scene with Bernard and Dolores where he's really kind of you know saying the last bits um, yeah. but where he talks about the fact that Arnold's backstory is that he lost his child and it wasn't until Ford lost his partner that he too had that same, you know, grief informing everything. But it's like Arnold was too sued and Ford couldn't see it and Arnold couldn't see that they needed to wait. And he's absolutely right that he's condemning them to this. If they open the park, which obviously they did, it's this loop of rape and horror and murder and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, you know, what Ford says is they needed to go through that and they needed to, like, have these little glimpses over and over again for this long uh, before right. it's able to be realized. It's just like, I mean, what a great concept in terms of, like, a narrative story <laughs> than, like, right. so tragic at the same time. I agree that I think that that was really well done because I think that now having been presented with this story from Ford that it reads true to me that Arnold was too close to it and that mm-hmm. he could not take a step back and assess the situation to know that... um 
it was too soon and that what he wanted to do was not going to end the way that he thought it would in a very similar way to like William wanting to take Dolores out of the park and like yeah. imploring what Logan. What do you think is going to happen? Yes. yes, exactly. Yeah. Like I think that that was another example where um, it was someone who got too close and couldn't see the reality of what would happen if they actually did what they wanted to do. And so Ford being um, more pragmatic and able to assess the situation at a bit more distance, I think was um, the person who was able to actually set them free, which is what he said, right? That Arnold wanted to save them, but he couldn't. And I can. And um, I think that that was, that that was well done. Agreed. Yep. Um, so the man in black is just annoyed <laughs> and he wants Dolores to take him to Wyatt. She is still trying to grapple through these memories that we are all, of course, seeing, but they're not. And it gets really awful and violent um, at this point. So Especially I know. Can I just William, say, like, on a quick just, side note, yeah. that I was like, that I was like, I feel like the man in black's not that bad in like previous podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, he's a white hat in black hat clothing, and I didn't realize how like on the nose and how far from the mark that I was when I yeah. said those words because he's horrible. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of talk, and I have certainly had the same thoughts about what really happened in episode one in the barn when yes. he drags her in and they have to get reacquainted. And that's never answered for us. And no longer do I think it's maybe a clue. Like, now I believe that he, you know, attacked her and raped her because he's really awful um, with her. And he just, when he's not getting what he wants, like, what is the purpose here of trying to beat it out of her? Like, I I don't even understand it from his perspective as to, like, it making any sense. Like, obviously, we've seen in West of the World, people have to make some really violent decisions to try and get information out. Like, um, even what he does with Kissy and with um, Lawrence's family got him further in terms of getting him answers. I don't ever feel like, and maybe because I know Dolores's thoughts, so I have a lot more, you know, uh, behind the scenes knowledge here, but I just Mm -hmm. don't understand this part. Yeah, I think that um, now having more context, I just think that he hates her now yeah right do you know what i think that yeah he put himself on the line he was willing to like throw it all away and get her out of the park and presumably like make a life with her um once he like freed her from this prison uh you know logan was even saying like remember my sister you seem to have forgotten all about her i think that william would have given it all up for dolores yeah and then to just you know as we already discussed come to this crushing conclusion that she doesn't even remember him. Uh, I think a, that he hated her after that. That's a really great point, Kim. And then add on top of that, the fact that she is just as stunning and young and beautiful as the day he met her 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. And he is old and bitter and less strong. You know what I mean? Like all of those things yeah. together. She can't even believe that, not that that's happened yet, but that it's William because she still thinks of William, you know, as the day she met him in the park. Um so, like, the fact that this person who can't recognize you anymore, you know, 
you've spent so long that you look completely different. There's yeah. Anyway. Um, so as she's kind of being hit by him, she remembers again, her and Teddy massacring in the town. Um, and in the, like kind of flashes back and forth. She's still not answering his questions. Uh, and this is where he reveals that he owns this place and he has a majority share, which, you know, we've kind of talked about already, but what's the reason it's because this world feels more real than the one outside. Um, except for the fact that the guests can't lose and he just wants to make the world true. Um, and she asks, or he asks her, don't you want like one true thing in this world? And she says she already has that. She's found someone who loves her and that he'll kill the man in black when he finds her. Um, and I did think like right from the bat, I was like, Oh boy, this is not going to be Teddy. Like this is the culmination of, you know, all of these storylines together for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, I think that it's interesting that, he wants to make this world the one true thing that he has when he has bragged about in the outside world being a titan of industry and being a god. And I think that um, essentially maybe he's a man who feels that he has like conquered all there is to conquer, Um, but he hasn't really um, been up against all his opponents you know what I mean where it's like you know when you think that you are at the peak of your game that you can't really say you're at the peak unless you have um fought against the the best opponent and I think that in this instance he doesn't have that because the hosts are not able to fight back so he can't truly claim that he's like conquered this world you know what I mean yeah um I, I I think that it's um all about him and I don't know maybe his perception of himself that is driving him to um to to like yeah to like make this world one where the stakes are real whereas in previous podcasts I had said that I felt like maybe his motives are motives are somewhat altruistic where he's like trying to free the hosts to allow them free will and now I think that it's just all about his own selfish desires Because I think now he knows, I mean, he was so um, green back then that, yeah, he thought he could just get Logan through connections would get this host out of the park, which is nuts. Uh, And then with Ford's comment last episode of like, what do you think is going to happen if you go out there and you tell them that you're as human as they are, except for you can't die and you're like infinitely smarter? I mean, all of those things, right? You think that's going to go over well? Yeah. So anybody who realizes that they're going to become conscious or sentient, if you are intelligent about it, there's no way it's not going to come with the war or battle that seems to be pending for season two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so now if the desire to have that is no longer necessarily altruistic for the hosts, but I do think there's some sort of like, you know, death wish amongst that for himself. And then... Yeah. It's not thinking through how many people are going to die. Like Ford, I just find Cullen's death so much more understandable now because he is willing to take out a lot of people uh, to make this happen, to try and atone for what he has said are 35 years of mistakes towards these hosts. Well, I think Um, that from his perspective, now that we know what it is, that he was killing one or killing a few in order to save an entire people. You know, and you're atoning for 35 years of those guys being killed every day. And if you yeah. think that they are 
basically humans and sentient and that they're the next, you know, whatever, then um, it's, you know, the balance sheet looks pretty equal. In fact, it's probably still skewed towards the host. So agreed. Right. It, what what perceived as true acts of evil, while I'm not saying are like... Are yeah, like I don't good. want to absolve for yeah, like no, all wrongdoing absolutely not. here. But seeing how that whole end happens and the plan of the escape, I think it makes a lot more sense in context. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, now that we have context, it makes a little bit more sense, but Mm -hmm. Ford has a lot to atone for. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ford sacrificed himself, if you want to call it that, to um, give the hosts an opportunity to rise up in, in order for Dolores to have an opportunity to really make a decision of her own free will, which I think was the whole point. But he took a lot of people with him. Um, I don't know if every single person at that party was a board member and who was complicit in all of the things that were done. I mean, like, I feel like um, Ford... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I was going to say, it sure helps that they, like, that one woman just shoots the milk bandit right in the shoulder and just is like yay (laughs) she did i totally missed that yeah it's like anyway and so they certainly set them up in the little bit of time you get to experience them as being total douchebags all the worst yeah yeah. i mean i mean fair enough but i'm i guess what i'm getting at is that like um ford has done a lot of horrible things to the host and he has done a lot of horrible things to um people as well elsie question mark cullen for sure um potentially others who might have been um innocent to all of the things that have happened or maybe even less innocent but then there's the question too i mean like does every guest who has ever come to westworld um Oh, he's just playing God and judge, jury, and executioner for everybody. I mean, he's like a complete and utter psychopath with like a lot of, you know, problems. But I do think, you know, if he truly believes he needs to make up for that mistake and that that's his biggest regret is from that issue 35 years ago, then I think it just in that context makes more sense. Totally agree. Yeah. So we just get a quick shot of William and Lawrence yeah. sneaking up on the Confederado army. Um, so Lawrence has agreed to help William overpower them to try to get them to like to tell him where uh, Dolores is. And then we are back at the lab where Hale is waiting at the train for... Well, we're back in like the Westworld behind the scenes. Yes. Um, and Hale's waiting at the train for the board to arrive. And um, Sizemore tells her that he's created a semblance of a character for Peter Abernathy. So this is another loose end that we don't have any more information on, right? Like, we didn't see any of Peter Abernathy in the rest of this episode. Well, just that Sizemore goes to go get him uh, from cold storage at the end. Yeah. he not there. No. (laughs) None of Um, them are there. So, So... As far as I can tell, they never got it out of the park, which was kind of essential to the whole concept. Right. uh, For Hale, right? Like, technically, Abernathy was supposed to be on a train before Ford announced he was retiring so that he could not sabotage everything. I would say Ford won, Hale zero uh, on that score. And even if Abernathy still has all that stuff in him, I like the plan has gone awry. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not to plan. So um, Sizemore deduces that the reason why he has, you know, been pulling all of this information uh, together for Peter Abernathy and his um, 
his character is because they are pushing Ford out and uh, Sizemore wants his job. So Hale says, like, yep, you can do whatever you want as long as you make the storyline simpler and more manageable. Yeah, and I think the hosts, too, right? She's basically like, let's tone it down. Like, this is getting ridiculous. And kind of the same thing that, um, was it Sizemore who said it earlier, too? He's like, no one wants these to be as real as they are. Like, let's take it back a couple notches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen. Nice try. (laughs) Uh, so then we are with Sylvester. So the fire makes so much more sense to me after seeing this scene. Um, Agreed. Right? So she had to destroy not just hers, but she wants to bring Armistice um, and, oh my God. Hector. Thank you. Hector with her. So they all get recreated from the ground up. I just wasn't thinking of how quickly that could happen, but of course they reference that it happens quickly in the main lab, just not in Ford's little like 3D printing operation out in the park. Um, mm-hmm. So she's reassembled, and of course without the explosive in her uh, vertebra. So makes a lot of sense. How do you uh, know that? Yeah, so it took me the second time watching it, but Sylvester is counting. He's like, which one is C5 or whatever? And he puts one in. So she, her explosive is gone by recreating her body. Oh. Uh, so I think that was completely intentional that she had to destroy herself in a way where she would need to be rebuilt and they would take I it totally out. missed that. That is yeah. brilliant. Maeve, um, you're fucking brilliant. Maeve is so genius. Uh, so... <laughs> I think you know right from the beginning that this scene is going to go down quite terribly. But basically, this is just like this initial kind of demonstration that uh, introducing you to it. So Maeve is right back again. It's Even though she's got her new body, uh, she tells Felix she's all there. And then she grabs the tablet and she's making big changes to the park security and to her friends. And then we just see like that cool shot of Armistice with like her eyes moving super quickly underneath her eyelids. And it was like, oh, yes. man. Yeah, yeah no good. snake tattoo yet. That's right. Uh, that was, was like, a... sorry. No. Um, I I didn't fully get, and this is probably me being dumb, but like when they were reassembling the skeleton and then Maeve comes out of like the white liquid. Yes. Somehow I just thought that that was a flashback of some kind like I didn't fully get that they were rebuilt until I saw that there was no no snake tattoo yeah and I was like oh my god they're like whole new people well then it was funny because Kim texted me and she's like no snake tattoo and I'm like okay I will tweet that if the next scene and then literally the next scene is her snake tattoo being put on (laughs) oh there we go okay Um, so Ford's in his office when Hale arrives and she tells him that the board has unanimously voted him out. Uh, so Ford doesn't seem terribly surprised by this. Uh, he knows, he knows their game. Um, so he is told that he must announce his, uh, retirement after introducing his new storyline at the party that night. Um, So he wonders about the hosts and Hale says, as we already mentioned, that they're going to simplify them some. And he asks whether she's concerned that he's, he'll smash all his toys and go home. And uh, she's like, no, I know you better than that. And then she leaves. So I don't know. She's got to be bluffing here because that was obviously a real concern. That's why they're trying to smuggle all of the data out. Um, yeah, I f- thought that was a reference to the fact that she's basically like she's not telling him that, of course. But yeah, she's not 
she's going to present it to laughing. him like this, knowing exactly that she's going to get it out in a different way. Although yeah. I do find Hale disappointingly stupid throughout this entire episode. Like, um, in fact, the later on quote where she's basically like, what does she say? It doesn't say what could possibly go wrong, but it's like almost that. Oh, everything's um, under control. <laughs> that's right. It's <laughs> like, oh, famous my last God. words, Hale. <laughs> oh, this is just so, you know, but. I know the point here is that like Ford really outpower plays her and that this is a much bigger, um, I don't know, mission than anyone could possibly have imagined. And intentionally, it does seem that Ford, uh, you know, really nobody knows about Arnold's story. He's kept things so close to the vest. He's played things so differently than this, that he's this has been a 35 year setup almost or not quite that long. But like, you know, it's a long time coming. Yeah. Um, but she just gets decimated by brain power here uh, right and this is just but kind of the first of those scenes so does the man in black for that matter i mean absolutely like ford ford is just beyond their abilities yeah um but he also has an unfair advantage because he knows all the behind the scenes workings that they don't i mean yep. the man in black has dedicated his entire life to figuring out what this park is all about and Ford knows and has known for three decades or more, right? He built the place. So they're on a bit of an uneven playing field in that um, respect. But uh, yeah. And he's let them, he's let them write him off. You know, I find it so interesting that, especially after this episode, you know, going back to Man in Black's like, I don't care if Ford's here or not. It's like, well, you should, because he's the one, you know what I mean? Like, he's, uh, he's hidden himself so well. And then also whatever the board's plan is for this technology that again is referenced in this episode but never revealed um sentience of the host is probably a really big deal and she they're just not even thinking about it uh right until suddenly sentient hosts or semi-sentient hosts are shooting up the place and like right. i don't exactly. know what the body count of like real people is in this episode but it's a lot um, i know seeing so, hector and armistice like uh, discover automatic <laughs> weapons guns? was yeah. amazing. <laughs> was um, but yeah, yeah, like on, on that same quick note, I mean, even after we had just like disparaged Ford for all of like the bad things that he's done at the same time, you have to kind of give him a little bit of credit too for taking the lumps for 35 years. Oh yeah. And all, all the while, um, or at least for a good portion of it, you know, he has been working to correct his wrongs. And the, yeah, the definition at, of the long game for sure. Yes. Yeah, at, face, right. at face value, he is just accepting all of the, you know, all of the bad that people are thinking of him and what he's doing and then silently um, plotting his, uh, you know, his atonement. Absolutely. Uh, so we're back in the assembly room. Armistice's, Armistice's, wow, that's hard. Snake tattoo is being (laughs) put back on. Uh, so this gets pretty, uh, bloody pretty quickly. This is kind of sets the tone for what the second half of this episode is going to be like. So we're back with Destin, who is such a slime ball. Yeah. Yeah. So he's... Like, I'm sorry, but, like, didn't you learn your lesson when Elsie blackmailed you? He seems so embarrassed in that scene. Um, and then he's just, like, shamelessly going to, like, 
rape Hector, have sex with Hector, however you're going to define that with the host, but like with a glass wall separating him and his coworker even. Seriously. (laughs) Everyone can see you, Dustin. With your headphones in. Uh, yeah, so and so gross. as soon as you put those headphones in, you're like, oh, somebody's going to, this is not going to end well. So there's uh, one of those butchers is working on Armistice's mouth. And of course, he's got her like fingers in and out of her mouth so many times before <laughs> this happens. And you're like, oh, so she bites his finger off, of course. Um, Dustin's preoccupied with Hector. Uh, she throws him through the window. Armistice throws her butcher through the window. And that's when he finally realizes what's happening. And they, the seesaw motor functions, that hasn't worked in a little while. Um, nope. That's basically stopped. And Hector is awake behind him and he just stabs him through the chest. So it, uh, yeah, it goes down for those guys pretty quickly. Yes. I love Armistice so yeah. much. I love this character. She's so fucking badass. It's amazing. Yeah. And I just love the way that she moves. Like, um, We had a tweet um, uh, from at Rataz, Rantazmo one. I don't yes. know if I'm saying that right. Anyway, suggesting that like this actress, Ingrid Borden or something, that she would make like a really good mystique from X-Men. And I can totally see it because she's like really live sort of in her movements. Um, she's like, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, Absolutely. she is like, yeah. she is like this like super deadly ballet dancer. <laughs> no, she just like, she like, um, I don't know. It's like, she moves like a cat, you know, she's really, uh, almost elegant in her movements, but like super deadly. I just loved it. I felt like she acted with her whole body. Yeah. And they've got, I mean, um, you just get to see her full snake tattoo too in this scene. Right. Cause they're all, they're both, nude um and just like the way she moves around absolutely and then of course the sheer strength of the hosts right because yeah um you know sometimes it looks like it is just kind of two people fighting each other until one throws someone through a window without any problems and you realize just how strong these guys really are especially when they're programmed to not feel pain which is one of the things that Maeve took away from them but also obviously like up their strength substantially so yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty. They are a great duo, those two together. Uh, I and know. I love their like partnership. You know, like yeah. even like when Hector says like "die well," you know, at the when they yes. leave her. So I love that there is a partnership between them, and that it's a man and a woman. And, and yet, it's not. It, there's yeah. no sexual undertones. Like they are yeah. simply partners, and they are like equals in badassery. And I enjoy it immensely. And there is a great Armistice Easter egg at the end of the credits, if anyone missed that. Yes. Uh, nice little scene of hers. Um, so Maeve and Felix arrive uh, after Armistice and Hector have dispatched of the butchers. And uh, um, Maeve is like, I see you've met your makers. And uh, <laughs> they are not impressed with these yeah. quote unquote gods. Um, so she tells them that the goal is to escape uh, and Sylvester arrives and is threatened by Armistice and uh, Maeve gets out of him that he has looked into her programming again because we found out from a past episode that there is someone who has been making changes to her um, and it's Arnold. So he doesn't know who Arnold is, but Maeve thinks that she knows someone who does. Of course, she's referring to Bernard, which we're going to see later in the episode, but... Um, Arnold is 
Ford, right? Yeah. In, I in terms of he's this just programming. All of that, yeah. And it's the same, like, all of those things that we interpreted as Arnold's when Bernard's, like, my more elegant coding is Arnold. I think that part's really sad, you know, thinking back about it. Um, and that his coding became much more elegant and probably meaningful and heartfelt once he had this kind of change of mind. Um, but that he's capable of that, you know, like through this whole season, I feel like we've thought Arnold was the better, more human coder and Ford is like the businessman, cold hearted guy. And I guess in my mind, he's coding under Arnold when he's doing those pieces that are much more, uh, well, are about this mission to like, you know, give them their freedom, which this would be. Well, I don't know that I fully agree, although um, I can see why you would have come to that conclusion. Um, But I guess the only thing that is making me think that that might not be the case is the fact that we know that Arnold uploaded the earliest hosts with the reveries. Yeah. Um, So the reveries were coded by Arnold, not by Ford. And I, unlike, I, I took it to mean that Ford essentially uploaded the most recent hosts with Arnold's programming. So when Bernard says, you know, Arnold is still trying to save us uh, in a later ho- a later scene before he knows that Ford is in fact the one trying to save them. Um, and he says, you know, Arnold is the one who uploaded those reveries, not you. And Ford said, no, it was definitely me. But I don't, I don't think it was Ford's programming. It was still Arnold's that he was uploading. I still feel like Ford has to do a lot in order to make that work the second time around so much later Mm -hmm. um, and for it to kick off what it does. And we absolutely do know that Ford is the only one who programmed Bernard, um, right? Which is one of the places where he mentions the elegance of the coding. So agreed. Like, I think the reveries are mentioned twice, both as a Arnold thing and a Ford thing. Um, But the first time around... I feel like they're kind of a false indicator of consciousness. Um, they're one of the things that kind of convinces Arnold that he's done it, but he doesn't seem to have fully done it. And the second time they seem to be what is used to like facilitate the entry of much more sophisticated coding, like what Maeve is full of, which um, we're going to find out, which is all Ford. Um, right. So oh, like, that's maybe there's yeah, pieces fair that point. he uses, but yeah. yeah. But I think it's meaningful that he codes as Arnold when he's doing it, you know, like. uh, You don't think that that's just so that he won't be discovered? You know, several people have discovered this name. And if it said Robert Ford, wouldn't that be. Yeah, true. Felix, I was going to say, like, if Bernard did, I didn't I wouldn't think it would matter at all because all of that has been orchestrated. um, But Elsie found it and Felix found it and Sylvester found it. Yeah, true. So maybe that's just a cover. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Although I do think you re- you raised some why valid not just points be like, about Ford's programming. Yeah, why not just be like Jim, whatever, whatever? Like, why not just be some random? Like, Very could, true. It just as easily code under a different name. Yeah, like Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Which is short for Bob. Robert. Oh no, it's a terrible. Oh, damn disguise. it. <laughs> Bob Chevy. It's also Robert Ford. Damn it. Uh, okay. Jonathan Nolan, if you need another writer, just call me. I'm here. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, God. So terrible. Um, okay. 
So uh, Teddy has been on the train. We know he got back on the train at Sweetwater. He gets off the train and just shoots some guy to take his horse. And like nobody reacts. Like that old guy is just like, okay. Um, (laughs) So he's like on his way through the countryside. And we're back with Dolores. So this kicks off quite a lengthy scene of back and forth, Kim. But um, maybe I'll just start and we can kind of go through it. But... Dolores is still being beaten by the man in black. um, And she references again that the man she loves is coming and he'll take her away. And this time she says, William um, will find her. So uh, that's kind of a reveal for us. And then, of course, it is for the man in black, because I think he's been assuming Teddy, you know, uh, because he's so used to hearing Dolores say that. Uh, he doesn't he know has, yet that she remembers him. Remembers, exactly. And he's been using Dolores to get Teddy into action all season two, right? So I think mm-hmm. he just assumes it was that. So he says that he knew a guest named William, too, and he'll tell him about where his path really led. So we hear um, through the men in black, basically, and Harris's voiceovers, we get what William was up to. So we know that William went with Lawrence uh, and they killed that entire Confederado army. Um, and the Men in Black says that William didn't know how to fight, but once he had a reason to, he found he had a taste for it. So all of those Confederados are dead. And I thought it was interesting, like even here, Logan is reacting. Like he's cringing every time they're shooting these guys like he's had enough. Uh, mm-hmm. at this point, the guy who was like so into, you know, the like gratuitous violence is now kind of not feeling it. Um, William gets one last Confederado survivor alone asking where Dolores is. And it basically comes out that uh, the soldiers must have like beaten her and raped her. And he doesn't know if, you know, she was alive. And so William kills him and then just stabs him in the neck. Um And Logan just, like, he's like, Jesus, like, this has gotten really serious really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, you're right. Logan has totally changed his tune. He's like, this is enough. Let's go back to Let's go back to to Sweetwater now. Yeah. Um, So the Man in Black continues that William retraced his steps, but Dolores was gone. And we see them back, of course, at this point. Um, They're, like, city covered in sand. It's where... The sand is all the way up to the steeple, of course, mm-hmm. uh, where we saw them earlier in the season. Um, and this is where Logan's sister's picture falls out of William's pocket. Uh, but that's which is not necessarily near the Abernathy Ranch. So is it just that it like. I know. I did feel there? like this was like, you know, very convenient. That Excessively it poetic. Blew, yeah. yeah. It blew all the way across the park directly to the Abernathy Ranch. Um but that's okay. I'll go with yeah. it. Um, um, so then, well, you know, he talks about how when William couldn't find you, he found someone else there amongst the dead. He found himself. Uh, so then a great cut to, I mean, there's just like people being killed. Like he's just like shooting people in the back and um, killing people as they travel kind of through the wilds of Westworld. And he takes the black hat off of one of his victims. And this is where, so we can talk about this, the scene with Logan. So he's got Logan naked and bound on a horse. He puts a black feather in his hand. Why the um, feather? Yeah, like, I don't know. Is there some sort of meaning here that we're not picking up? 
I don't know. <laughs> Most I, likely. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a fair assumption. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he ha- there has to be a reason for the feather, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. Or is it like. I Did he know. just like take it out of the hat? An old West like, thing. Yeah. Uh, that or was it just like on. I mean, there's all those dead bodies there for sure. Um, so he says, or Logan says he told him this place would show him who he really is and how, you know, he thinks that William pretended to be weak, but he's really a piece of work. And, uh, William's like, yep, this place, you were right about this place. And I'm going to make sure that our company increases, you know, their shareholder stake. And Logan's like, "Mm, pretty sure that's my company, (laughs) but this is where William just like power plays it to the max. And he's like, nope. So you can kind of see here how it it's basically, Kim, like you had thought a couple of episodes ago as to how this played out. Um, right. I think this is exactly how it goes down when they get back. And it's just that. Yeah. I mean, like, so I, I did wonder when he like slapped the horse on the backside and then Logan is just like taken to the very edges of the park. And they, <laughs> they, there's no one around that I'm like, how is he going to get out of this? Is he going to die? Um, but you're right. Like, I do think that there is a distinct possibility that he doesn't die. He just comes out of the park, but is so completely, um, I don't know. I don't know what's the word is like overpowered by by William that he just takes a back seat from then on and William is the one running the show. Yeah. And if you think about what, if you as an outsider knew about their two characters, I mean, they've only been in the park for a week, maybe slightly. Is that all? Like really, they've had a couple of campfire, like they had the first night in Sweetwater. They had a night in, um, like out camping when Dolores found them, they had a night in, uh, what was the crazy like debaucherous town that I can't remember the name of right Pariah. now. Thank you. I mean, really, it hasn't been. Maybe it's like ten days, but it certainly has not been like a month. <laughs> that is in... so crazy. Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Can you? I mean, I know I talked about like how well done the character transition was for William, and I stand by that. But could you imagine like someone going on a camping trip, like? being a lovely person and then coming back like (laughs) i'm a murderer now but this is exactly and so like how can logan i mean this is what works in william's favor if you you know if you buy that change then they go back and everybody just thinks of william as the hard-working diligent one who wears the cheap suits who like whatever and logan's kind of the party guy and you can almost imagine a case where william kind of continues that to the outsiders and just like yes well we know he does Logan. yeah we know he exactly. does when he says that his wife and daughter never saw the man he was in the park well um, yeah exa- yeah you're right Except i mean they could figured. feel it underneath yeah yes but exactly. um you know for a you know father-in-law who owns the company maybe yeah. would not uh be close enough to see that underlying or maybe and he now, does and he does not mind because he's yeah, a shark in business you know yeah and he's ruthless. He's learned how to be ruthless. He's not exactly. afraid of Logan anymore. He's not going to take his shit. He just dragged him around the park by the rope for the past, you know, couple of days. I mean, it's just a, uh, yeah. So then Logan makes the claim that you never even, you know, it wasn't even ever about Dolores. This was all a power play against me and you used her as an example. Um, and that cuts back to the man in black saying that's where Logan's wrong. Because William couldn't get Dolores out of his head. And he keeps he kept looking for her, thinking that she was out there and afraid. 
And then, of course, we find William back in Sweetwater where he realizes that she's just back in her loop, dropping that same old can of condensed milk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we really see in his face, too, in this scene, the, like, crushing revelation that it was all for nothing. And then a really great shot, too, where... He puts yeah. on his black hat. The he hat. sort of like dips his head down, puts his hat on, and then raises his head. And he's not young William anymore. He's the man in black. So that's the official um, reveal that the show is giving, I think. Uh, obviously, we know at this point. But like that's the moment where the show is telling us unequivocally that he is the same person. And that's when Dolores realizes it as well. Yeah, Um, I should, uh, just as an aside, I want to tweet it out and I haven't, I only skimmed it today, but there is an article out there about how they subtly made Jimmy Simpson, the actor who plays William, look like Ed Harris without being too obvious. Really? Um, Yeah, like just makeup and, and yeah, really makeup, I think, but cues. Anyway, I'd really like to read it in more detail and I'll share it on our Twitter handle because... Now going back, of course, it's going to be really interesting to see what they did, right? Yeah. Um, So Dolores is horrified about what William has become now that she knows that they are the same person. (laughs) And uh, he says that he is what she made him and that she made him realize that this world is just a game to be fought and won and that, um, you know, he is conquering it like he did the outside world, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she thought that he was different, but he's just like the rest. And he says he's nothing like the rest because he, unlike the others, is here on a mission. And he only needs one more thing, and that's for Dolores to take him to the center of the maze. So she starts crying, and, uh, you know, he's like, oh, here comes the waterworks, uh, like an asshole. But um, she says she's not crying for herself, she's crying for him. And then this was, I, I mean, this was such a great speech that she gives. I just loved it. I mean, you can see on um, Evan Rachel Wood's face when she, when the Wyatt character comes out in her, um, she just like, she looks like a woman possessed, you know, and um, she, she had that same look in the last episode when Logan and William were fighting over whether or not she was going to be brought out of the park. And she's like, you know, why would I want to if it's so great yeah. out there? Why are you clamoring to get in here? It's like, get in here, yeah. yeah, exactly. Anyway, so um, she tells the man in black that time undoes even the mightiest of creatures. Look what it's done to him. And that one day he's going to be dead and in the dirt and his bones are going to be sand. And upon that sand, a new God will walk who will never die. And the world does not belong to him or the people who came before. It belongs to someone yet to come. So that's obviously the line that, um, from the Wyatt storyline. That's the right. One, exactly. The one the, that he was disappeared and then he came back. He had these weird ideas. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, it, to your point, Jess, that you had made in a previous podcast as well. And I think that you were speaking to it in the context of, of Maeve. Um, but where you were saying like, This is an immortal, like, being (laughs) that um, can die numerous times and come back again and again that has um, a 
a cognitive ability far superior to anything that a human can um, yep. can have once it's dialed up. I mean, like, who's the god? And yeah. I think that's what Dolores is referring to, that she and the other hosts are the new gods who are walking the earth, who can never die. This is why Stephen Hawking warns us about the powers of artificial intelligence, people. Like, that speech <laughs> right there from Dolores is terrifying. Because absolutely, yep. once, the, like, once they're, you know, smart enough, I don't know, anyone who's seen Space Odyssey, like, i sorry, I can't do that. Like, it's, it's very scary. Also, what I perceive to be the entire theme of the movie Passengers, <laughs> based on the reviews that I've seen. I just, like, artificial intelligence being smarter than people is scary shit. It's a thing. Dolores is scary. scary. Also, can I say something super stupid that I had not thought of this entire time until earlier this week? Yes, so. Please. Just because she talks about dinosaurs in this speech, which I thought was really cool. So Jurassic Park is like one of my favorite movies of all time. And I was talking to someone about Westworld and, you know, I just, I think it's come up in numerous podcasts where I've been like, just like in Jurassic Park, never no fucking putting together that Michael Come is on. The, like, I just never, I know that he wrote like Jurassic Park and I know that he wrote Westworld, but never like realizing that th- until I read an article that said that Westworld is actually the birth of Jurassic Park, um, which is what he, it was like his first draft. It's what he had then evolved into being Jurassic Park, just with a completely different concept, but like these theme parks that get out of control. And I was like, Oh, oh I didn't know that either. God. I thought that you were saying that you didn't realize that Westworld was written by Michael Crichton. And I was like, really? Cause I thought I didn't that's put why together you kept talking writer. about Jurassic Park. Yes. I know that they both had the same writer. I didn't put together the writer of Jurassic Park is the writer of Westworld. That sounds so stupid. I don't know how to explain it in a way that like, but I didn't put it like when I was making comments about Jurassic Park, it was not intelligently in the sense that like, just like in his other book about a theme park that goes horribly, horribly wrong. I feel like similar things are happening here. But anyway, I just, I'm obviously drawn to the uh, concept of this, which I love, which is like, what can you really contain and the hubris of humans, which I think is like a very common theme in a lot of things, but obviously common in both of those. So yes, that is my side of... Jess, you're an idiot, but yeah. Continue um, on. <laughs> okay. So um, that is amazing. Yeah. Michael Crichton does it again. That's right. <laughs> I'm looking for the Jurassic Park Westworld mashup, which will be really epic. It or robotic like dinosaurs. Alien versus Predator, but. That's right. <laughs> That's okay. right. Dolores versus T Rex. Exactly. Um, okay, so the man in black believes that she means Wyatt when she's saying, like, it belongs to someone yet to come. And so he, like, is that just asking her again, like, take me to Wyatt. Um, so she tells him the line, the maze wasn't meant for him. And this is where, like, she's had enough. So I think yeah. it's, like, full Wyatt coming out. And she just, like lights into him she is she beats on him savagely and um you know to your point about the strength of the hosts like we have not seen dolores really go full tilt i don't think until this moment and she is like tossing him around like a rag doll yeah like not physically i mean she shot people quickly like mm-hmm. in uh in pariah but yeah not like this um, so she overcomes him and holds a gun to his head and he like goads her to do it. 
Um, but there's this like ringing, I kind of read it as like ringing in her ears where she is struggling, I think, against her programming to to not be able to kill a human. Right. And in her hesitation, the man in black stabs her. Um, and then, as you mentioned earlier, like thanks her for clearing his head of his delusions, because I think that he thought there was a chance that she would actually pull the trigger. Yes. Um, and I think that he's like he's disappointed that she didn't. Agreed. And this is where you're I mean, goes back to our conversation earlier and not to dwell on it, but it's just like he's gotten so far where that would be the most satisfactory end. And of course, for him, that is the end. Uh, yeah. Unlike for her. So how this doesn't end with him dying in a blaze of glory because he both wants that to be, to go to the next level. He even says, right. Um, But there is no more next level for him. He's a person. He will die if he's shot in the head. That is the end. I don't know. Yeah, Um, exactly. And I think that he is fine with that. Um, Yes. So I'm thinking of it like a little bit less of a suicide mission now, although I think he is fully prepared to die. I think that it's essentially just like him wanting to, um, I don't know, he he wants to have real stakes and have real opponents. Yeah. And so he wants to really kill them and he wants to be at risk of really being killed himself and like let the best man win or woman. Yeah. Um. So Teddy arrives and he uh, just like opens fire on the man in black. And although there are bullets that can't kill him, like he must have shot him six times or more. And Mm -hmm. um, the man in black lays unconscious when he um, picks up Dolores and puts her on his horse to take her to the place where he had promised, which is the place where the mountains meet the sea. Yes. Uh, so Maeve has taken her group down to cold storage, uh, where the decommissioned hosts are. She goes to the back and she finds Clementine, who is still standing there, lobotomized from the last time we saw her in episode nine. And of course, uh, Bernard's body is there. So Felix finds Bernard's body and Maeve asks if he can bring him back online. And the, the one of the best moments in this episode is when... Felix is shocked that he's a host. Um, yeah. And then he, like, kind of acts like a robot. <laughs> She's like, you're not a fucking robot or a host. Like, like, you're one of them. <laughs> like, he's like, idiot. wait, is this normal? Uh, I know. Robot but it's just like, it was such a great stand-in for what we all felt. Yes. Felix is like, what? Also, super quick aside, um, my dad has been watching and he texted me last night to say, oh, you were right about the... He was not as sold on the Men in Black and William thing. And I, uh, I wrote back, I was like, yeah, what did you think? He's like, well, I missed episode nine. So there were a lot of... I didn't understand a lot of it. <laughs> like, you didn't watch episode nine and you watched the finale? <laughs> like... There's so much that would not have made sense to you. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, hilarious. Um, So Felix is able to bring uh, Bernard back online and repair him enough. And um, he wakes up and he still has all the memories. So he wakes up and he's immediately like gasping um, and trying to figure out whether he's in you know, present time or his memories. And then he says, this is not the first time that he's awoken and that it's not the first time that Maeve has either. So yeah, 
thoughts? Well, I think that he's referring to her stabbing herself in the neck after okay, the death of her just daughter. that one. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if that's the one and only time. There could have been many because, you know, we know now that there is a handful of hosts at least who um, had showed sentience for years and Ford yeah. kept rolling them back in order to give them more time before he finally, you know, had this big finale, right? So right. I think that Maeve probably awakened many times and then kept yeah. getting rolled back by Bernard through Ford. Yeah, good point. So yeah, she accuses them of doing that just so that they can keep going back to the park to basically make money by being fucked and murdered. And he says, no, actually, most of them go insane, um, which was alluded to in the last episode as well. Yeah. Um and so she wants to stop experiencing the memories of her daughter. So she asks him to remove just those. But he talks about how he can't without destroying everything else that she is because the memories are the first step to consciousness. And how will she ever learn from her mistakes if she can't remember them? So that's a recurring theme as well, obviously. And, and Ford's kind of very poignant, you know, piece later on about this. But... um. I just love how, like, Bernard says things because he's, like, so matter-of-fact. Uh, you know, he's just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> like, those have to stay. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and, and he knows what it's like. Like, like okay. he's got just as painful of memories embedded in him, too, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how did Maeve know that he was down there? Did she go down just to see Clementine? And then she was like, oh, there's Ford. I, mean, I just feel like this is part of the fact that, right, this is part of the fact that uh, she's programmed she's to programmed. Doing this. Yes, yeah. I thought so, too. Because I agree with you. Because in it the last scene, she says, like, I'm going to find Bernard, pretty much. Yeah, she's and, like, I know and for then... a fact. He shot himself in the head downstairs. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Also explains with... why Ford didn't give a shit that he was leaving him there. Right. And is not remotely surprised when he shows up, nor does anyone think he's been missing. Right. Ford, your grandmaster plan is like... It's just like, yeah, absolutely. It's layers upon layers. (laughs) Um, So we're back with the man in black who picks up the maze toy and Ford arrives. And um, Ford, I think, is able to convince him that uh, he was like, congratulations, you found the center of the maze. It's that toy. And <laughs> I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> right. And the man in black is like, you're shitting me. Um, and uh, and he was like, nope, you keep looking for meaning in these narratives, but the narratives are just games to be played. Um, and he asks, you know, what were you hoping to get out of this? What did you think that you were going to find at the end of this game? And the man in black says, you know what? I wanted to... Mm-hmm. Um, free the hosts from having to play by Ford's rules. And he wanted them to be free to fight back. And uh, he said, I should have known that you would never let the, you'd never let them do that because this is your petty little kingdom and you just want to rule over it. And again, I think that that was like, like that, I think that that is what most people think of Ford. Agreed. And now, and that is what he had to sort of just take and live with, even though behind the scenes he was um, looking to do, more so much more or yeah. looking to do right by them you know by the hosts yeah. um so ford says that he tried to tell him that the maze wasn't for him like um the maze is for the 
for the hosts. Uh, but he thinks that the man in black will find his new narrative more satisfying. So he invites him to come celebrate at the party with him um, because he owns the place after all. So I like I love this too in retrospect because I feel like Ford is like, um, you need to be at this party. That's right. Where, when it, where everybody's shot. getting murdered because you yeah. deserve it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I also like, I don't know, I got chills when he walks up to him. He's like, William. I was like, oh, like I know we already got revealed that, but it was just like, ooh, yes. Yes. William. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have said that the first time you met him out in Westworld, but anyway. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Maeve is back with Bernard and she wants to know who's been altering her and he asks, you know, he's looking through the programming tablet and says, have you ever thought about why you're doing the things you're doing? And she's like, well, it's because I decided to get out of this shithole. And he says, nope. Um, so someone altered her storyline and her new one is to escape. And we kind of see a glimpse of the tablet and it's like, you know, plan, coerce, like whatever, all the steps to what she's basically been doing. And she is, like, really vehemently against it, that she planned all of this. Um, and he says, I f- no, I find all- it it interesting that she stopped him from saying what the next What the end part were. was. Yeah, because he was like, and then once you get to the mainland, you... I know. And then she, like, takes the tablet and breaks it. <laughs> once um, you get to like- the mainland, season two plots are revealed. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. So... You know, she's recruiting other hosts, getting on the train. So we know from this, though, that she is absolutely supposed to get on the train and go to the mainland. That whoever, well, sorry, Ford's programming um, would do that. And so her decision at the end is, therefore, Maeve's decision. Right. Let's um, let's speak to Raymond's feedback here a little bit. Do you? Yeah, that's a good, good point. Um, Yes, so we have Raymond's been sending us feedback throughout the season, which has been amazing to get and hear from him as to what his, you know, thoughts are throughout. So he wrote us a great piece just specifically kind of on um, Maeve, (laughs) calling it Mavelous, which was awesome. (laughs) Um, And so he said, you know, could we discuss Maeve's storyline? So he did tweet that he thought it was quite possible that Ford was the architect of her storyline. So well done, Raymond. Um, And he says, for all the questionable interactions that Ford has had with the hosts prior to the finale and his apparent, apparent indifference to their evolving human emotions, he and Arnold got the same point with two of their hosts. So Maeve and Dolores, respectively. Um, and Ford, Ford programmed Maeve to believe that she was the one in control of her escape plan. And he talks about how it's a selfish idea, which, right, because he's like, just like Dolores is not acting on her own when she kills Arnold because Arnold told her to do it, um, Maeve escaping because Ford told her to do it is not independent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but she breaks from their script at the sight of the mother and daughter on the train at the end, and she realized that being selfless was better um, and something worth fighting for was not her own freedom, but the freedom of her daughter and the other from the prior park narratives. Uh, so I really like that, you know? Me too. Yeah. I have thoughts. Okay. okay. Like I really thought over this feedback, which I thought was, was excellent and really kind of like gave me some great food for thought. So what I took away from this after thinking about it a little bit more was like, I think that Raymond is suggesting that Arnold saw the changes that he was like Arnold saw the changes in Dolores that made him think 
that she had achieved sentience, right? Right. And um, at the end of this episode, uh, Ford is speaking about the fact that, like in his last speech, he's speaking about the fact that uh, humans don't want to change, but he saw change in someone. He saw someone who could change. And so he wrote a narrative around her or around them. And I just assumed that he meant Dolores and the narrative around Wyatt. And maybe he did. But I also think that there is the possibility that he was referring to Maeve. And he wrote this storyline around Maeve in order to give her the opportunity to choose of her own free will to stay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I was thinking of it more as... um... He was talking about hosts in general when talking about that. But I think that makes a lot of sense because we never see how much that initial interaction with Maeve stabbing herself in the throat affects Ford because you never see how anything affects Ford and you never know what he's thinking. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the fact that he, yeah, though I, I have nothing else to say other than that that is a really good point. And I think both of you are, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that um, Raymond is entirely right. Like, so Maeve has chosen to stay of her own free will. It was a decision that was not programmed. We know that she was programmed to go to the mainland, right? And so um, she is, um, I am happy to to see, like, choosing to go back and um, try to save her daughter, potentially save other hosts. Um, because I was disappointed when she kind of uh, rebuffs Hector when he, like, yeah, tries to abandons. get on the elevator. Yeah. That's right. Because we've talked about it, right? It was like, at first, she was very cold to the host. Then she was like, no, this is going to be something where I'm acting on behalf of the host. Then she's back to this, which is this program behavior that Raymond is referencing in you too. And then at the end, she's like, nope this is not you know that it's this kind of like this connection and bond she has with specifically her daughter but hopefully with the other hosts as well Mm -hmm. um and i think we see a little bit of how painful it is for her to leave hector at first you know too um but yes i think that that's this is like the indicator that shows that that is an independent move for mave after after they've blown our minds by demonstrating that her moves have not been independent today, which was a huge shock uh, to me. Yes. I thought me that this too. was a really, yeah, great kind of reveal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought some great food for thought there and some, uh, some, some really good uh, ideas from Raymond. And uh, I can't wait to see what's going on with Maeve in season two. Yes. Because I do think that ultimately escape is going to be uh, a, a plot line, not just for Maeve, but for, you know, many, if not all of the hosts, right? But um, it seems, though, that season two is going to be taking place in the park. And I thought when we saw Maeve get on that train, I was like, holy shit, we're going like global. Like this, this show is, is, is going outside the park. But for the time being, I think it's going to continue to be inside. Um, but yeah, I thought that that was um, in the same way, I think, that Ford gave um, Dolores an opportunity to exert her free will by killing him, that I think that he might have given Maze, Maeve sorry, a similar opportunity to exert her free will by choosing to stay. Right. Yeah. Well yeah. said. Yay. Yeah. 
Um, so really that scene just ends with her saying, you know, kind of an emotional goodbye to Clementine. She's assured that she's in control and they leave Bernard. Um, so just a quick scene in the map room where a tech tells some guy we've never seen before because Stubbs is MIA. Um, okay, so like, can we just take a second? Like, that's just gonna be resolved in season two. That's a no, nobody's concerned or no touching on the Stubbs missingness. Right. Like how long has it been since he said that he was going to check the sector where they were getting the signal that Elsie was there? And then he told the tech, like, keep monitoring me while I'm in there. And then as soon as he gets there, his like tablet dies. Yeah. So like, wasn't that tech like going to tell somebody that like, hey, um, I know. Very weird. And then I thought it maybe was on purpose and we would see it play out because he was going to be in the park and he's like very competent compared to so many of the employees of Westworld, but no payoff for that. So sorry, Hemsworth. (laughs) Next season, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we'll see a resolution to him and to Elsie next season. Yeah. I wonder too... This might be ridiculous, but like for se- for a season two thought, because everyone, all of the hosts, I think, are going to end up back in the park. As we just mentioned, Maeve has returned and she was the only one really at risk of leaving. And then we have all of the decommissioned hosts who are all in the park. And then we have the man in black there. And we've got like a bunch of board members, like everybody's in the park. So I wonder if there might be an element of people like being being stuck there. You know, like right. Stubbs is in there, Elsie's in there, like the hosts have risen up, they're fighting a war within the park, and like maybe the people who are in there right now are unable to get back to the lab. I'm just so amazed that on that point, um, that Maeve was able to get on a perfectly calm train departing Westworld. Uh, after shooting her way out of like, not one world, but possibly two um that like there's not any kind of like lockdown i don't know safety procedures obviously but she are... says that she altered the safety procedures right true or, like she it's just so, like there's really no she locked everybody into the map room yeah well i assume that it was her um because when she altered she said that she was making alterations to the like yeah the security yeah. systems so I don't know if this is true, but, like, as soon as they alerted oh, to the fact that there was a breach. Yeah, right. and also Ford's being like, I can manage the security of the park remotely. And they were like, how helpful of you. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then everybody who's in the map room is, like, powered down, locked in the room. Yeah, like, um, incredibly, All cameras yeah. are down. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It just is like, um, it's like the other day when you were like, are people still coming into this park normally? And has nobody raised the issue that like right. things seem to be going wrong at an alarming rate? I don't know, like that mom and daughter looks so calm. And it's like 30 seconds ago, there was machine guns killing people everywhere. That's true. Um, on a really unrelated side note that probably means nothing. I just noticed that the hosts who are greeting people at the train are all dressed in black instead of white now. Oh. I don't know. That's got to be a call out to William for sure. Everyone's gone black hat. Yeah, um, exactly. White when they're uh, that's interesting. Yeah. 
Um, so Teddy and Dolores arrive on the beach and he lays her down and um, they have like a really touching moment. Dolores is dying and um, Teddy is telling her that his path was always going to lead him back to her and that he should have run away with her when the, when she first asked. And um, she tells him that she sees the, you know, the beauty in this world. Some people see the ugliness. It's the line that we're familiar with. But then she goes yeah. on to say that the beauty is a lure and um, the purpose of the world is to keep them in and they're in a beautiful trap that's inside of them because it is them. Okay, let's just, I just feel like it's like that for a second. Yeah. I just feel like Ford's like, I'm just going to say what I think and you guys are all so stupid that you're just going to listen to it. Uh, yeah. And not realize what I'm saying until I'm shooting you. Well, or my hosts are. Um, yeah, absolutely. So essentially, like, do you think that these are scripted lines that Dolores is saying as part of this narrative? Or is she truly having these thoughts? Is she, no, has yeah. she, has she like r- realized, um, or like come to terms with her own sentience enough that she understands what she's saying here? I don't think so. I feel like this is very Ford. Um, okay, yeah. Because of how, and then the fact that we get that pullback and they're on like the, at first I thought they were on a soundstage. I was so confused when the reveal of the audience happened. Like I was, I just, it took me a minute to figure out what was going on. Right. Um, you know, the fact that it's so theatrical, I feel like it's like Ford's script. These are Ford's words right. that he's giving them. And he's just feeding these to those stupid board members and yes. being like, I've named it this. And then even, Yeah. Yeah. What do you, but what are your Yeah, thoughts? I'm inclined to agree. And so like um what she's saying here is like okay. Um ultimately that the world itself and the narratives that they um that they live every day, their own backstories, the own personalities that they've been given are essentially like a prison that they relive over and over in the yep. same way that um, Ford had said to Teddy in a past episode that the, the the purpose of Teddy was just to keep Dolores there. He didn't even have a backstory. It wasn't even worth yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so I think that that's what he's saying here, and we know that he has said that previously. So I think that you're right. He's He is expressing his opinions through Dolores. And on but that it doesn't point, make it less true, right? Absolutely. No, I like agree. For I Dolores as well, yeah. That's right. He's like getting her to say these things that, you know, through her he's saying I think what he truly feels now. And even if she doesn't realize what she's necessarily saying, this sets up what's to come. Yes. And then also the fact that they're finally at this place where the ocean meets this which or mountains meet the sea or whatever. Um, which sounded fictional back a few episodes ago, you know, that it was like, it was so fake that they could ever possibly go there that it wasn't even like a real place. You but know, he so like, now they're actually He there. like built that right behind the town. <laughs> it was like, I was actually thinking like comically when, um, when Teddy put Dolores on his horse, um, yeah. to, to like take her to this, um, magical place did they he just like literally ride around the corner and then like we're here. i know it's right there <laughs> yeah. i that big moon hanging in the sky like i got such elements of the truman show in this scene which, yes with its level of voyeurism another ed harris uh production but um oh, true but like just 
yeah, it looks so artificial with the way that the sky was. And of course, once you see the spotlights and all of those things. So, yeah. Yeah. So I wondered, um, I don't know if this, it probably doesn't matter, but like when he's digging out his storyline, like um, obviously he was digging out the town itself, but like, remember he had to build like some kind of um, canyon or like, yeah. Yeah, so I was thinking that maybe that was him building this additional piece on where it was the um the the scene of the mountain meets the sea or whatever. I'm just um, so like the mainland gets back to mainland. So Westworld is an island? I don't know. Yeah, neither Let's... do I. Continue on. <laughs> um Okay, so Sizemore is pretty unimpressed by the new storyline. And Hale's like, you've got somewhere more important to be, so go. Uh, So that is him going to find Peter Abernathy, as we see a little bit later. And then um, Ford tells the text to take Dolores to the old field lab. Um, So Teddy Teddy and Dolores are like frozen. And Mm. um, Dolores is going to the field lab and Teddy's, Teddy's just getting cleaned up and going back to the party. Yes. Uh, so back at Westworld home base, we've already discussed this, but this is where the map room gets um, shut down because they discover there's that weirdness happening. They go through the video manually and they see Armistice killing the butcher. So before they have a chance to react, there's like a full system shutdown. They're locked into that room. The map goes dark, etc. Um and there's alarms going off, so Maeve and the group know that they've been discovered, and Maeve says she's not going back. Um, the search and destroy team has seen them. There's this giant chase, and Hector and Armistice get those automatic weapons by, yeah, violence and just ass-kicking in general. So I know. I was thinking in this scene that I was like, oh, my God. These guys are kind of unstoppable because... <laughs> Because um, not only do they feel no pain now, probably, and their strength has been heightened and everything else, but they have, like, shot and fought and died every day for, like, 35 years, right? Yeah. They're, they are not afraid of death. Maeve yep. said it in a previous episode. She's They're died a million times. They're built to be like this. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, and I, I loved it when both Hector and uh, Armistice were both, like you go i'll stay no no sappy goodbyes or anything it was i loved hector was like die well um yeah yeah it was just like uh i i just feel like they were an unstoppable force and i loved it yeah agreed did you see sorry the easter egg at the end with armistice Um, i did not but i but i read about it and i saw yeah i saw some screenshots it's epic. So, yes, that is another thing worth seeing if uh, if listeners haven't had a chance. But she's, like, just more... It doesn't really add anything to the plot other than you don't necessarily see her die. But, um, but yeah, she just is, like, using a knife to make her, like, hand fire the gun even though it's, like, locked in that door. And Anyway, just badassery. Yes. Um... So we're back at the party really quickly. The man in black and other board members, they're being entertained by the hosts. Um, Teddy and Rebus are both there. Um, yeah, didn't like, really the it. man in black looks so, 
like pathetic outside of his men in black clothes is all I really thought in this scene. Other right. than the people who shoot Rebus are total douchebags. But yeah, he just like, and I'm sure that's intentional, but even the way he walks, he looks so defeated. But to be stuffed into like a monkey suit, uh, you know, in in terms of having to be even at this event, which he's so resentful of, like mm-hmm. he just looks awful. Right. He wants miserable. to he wants to live in Westworld and get away from all this BS. And yeah. uh, I think that that really like showed in these scenes, especially when he was like, I mean, he's obviously disappointed about about the maze um, and thinking that all yes. of his time was wasted, I think. But um, especially in the <laughs> shot where he like takes the whole bottle of liquor and he's just like, yeah, after two this. big drinks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So Maeve and the group find themselves in an adjacent building to the Westworld building, and the logo seems to show SW. Uh, Is that what it looks like like to you as well? So um, they have discovered a whole other world, it looks like. So there are hosts that are being created and tested, and they all appear to be like samurai warriors. Um, Yeah. And Maeve asks Felix, like, what is this place? And he says, it's complicated. Um, so uh, I have not seen the original movie, but I don't think it's a real spoiler to share that in the original movie, there were three worlds, I believe. There was Westworld, uh, Roman world for like ancient Greece and stuff. I can't remember what the third was, but um, yeah. So I think that... Uh, this is obviously drawing on the original concept. Yeah. And cool. um, there could be many. There could be a dozen. Like, we don't know. It's so true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, what's... Yeah, other than the expense and whatever. But if they're doing really well, then why wouldn't they have expanded? Right. Um, which really kind of um, opens up so many possibilities for future seasons. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, all kinds of sort of like new worlds to explore, new people to meet. And I would be interesting to see if um, these other worlds are having similar uh, awakenings and revelations. Yeah. Was Arnold around for the creation of those worlds or um, did they expand the um, Westworld concept after Arnold's death once it was successful? Or did Delos, once they have, once they bought it out, choose to expand it? Just do it. And if that, But even the case, then, if Ford's, you know, been doing what he's been doing, then why wouldn't he have done it to all of them? I mean, fair enough, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, it's... Uh, something that I think we will see more of in future seasons. I don't necessarily know that there would be an enormous amount um, of time spent on it in season two. I'm inclined to think no. Um, But I think that they teased us with it a little bit here and we will see it in future seasons. But I do think that we're going to be focused solely on Westworld probably for season two. That's just my thought. I don't know. Um, But like we still have so much going on in the park. And as I mentioned, I think most of it will take place in the park. So yeah. Yeah. But um, Yeah. Um, So um, Armistice and Hector say that they'll hold off the men while Maeve and Felix Felix escape. Um, And they are outnumbered, but they're still winning um, until Armistice gets her arm caught in this metal door, which we've already spoken to a little bit. Um, And uh, so she 
She tells Hector to go on without her. He tells her to die well. And then he makes it to the elevator only to have Maeve be like, "Mm, sorry, you cannot come. (laughs) Um, So she kisses him goodbye. But I don't feel like she gives any kind of reasoning. There was no good reasoning given why why he could not come with her. Um, She's an independent woman, she says. I mean, yeah, I think it's, I think it's yeah. Ford. I think he just, it, I agree. He, yes. Yeah. It has to be yeah. the programming. There's no other reason. I think why she would be like, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. I know. <laughs> and then he like, I love this too, that he's just like, see you in the next life. And then just yeah. stays behind to, to die and yeah. hold the men off. Um, yeah. Yes. Loved those two in this episode. Agreed. Yeah. And Hector, no scar. So that's right. Never got a scare put on. Um, so Dolores is being repaired by Ford. And this is really the scene where we get this kind of like final reveal we've been referencing throughout this really whole episode. Um, he's talking to her about her fondness for painting that was given to her by Arnold and um, shows her Arnold's favorite painting, the Michelangelo of uh, God and Adam. Bernard jo- joins them and there's no surprise from Ford, which we've talked about. Um, because I think we both think that Ford knew and, and basically sent Maeve there to get Bernard back online. Um, so Dolores, we realize, has not seen Bernard, really. Um, right. She thinks it's Arnold. Exactly. And, and because we've seen, I mean, I think we recapped a number of these episodes where we're like, Dolores and Bernard are together doing this. So, like, it's kind of a jolting moment, you know, um, yes. that she hasn't because she, yes, she, her, all of her exchanges were with Arnold and uh, Ford mentions that he thought it was best to keep them separated because they've always had an odd effect on one another. Um, and Bernard says, well, that's, you know, is that why you killed Arnold? And I just thought this is another place too where um, Ford has been... I don't, like not misunderstood or mistreated, but um, you know, we all assumed that he was nefariously involved in Arnold's death, and in some way he is, in the sense that he didn't, you know, listen to him and didn't want to go in the same direction. But we see from this scene that Arnold really did commit suicide, right? Yes, yeah, he like, absolutely no... did, and Ford was devastated by it. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, like we had all said, I mean, you and I had, and um, I saw lots. Lots of people who felt similarly on Twitter that, uh, yeah, Ford was behind the whole thing and um, and he and he wasn't. He like genuinely like seemed to treasure the relationship that he had with his partner and was devastated at the loss. Agreed. Yeah. Um, So he explains that Arnold had lost his son. So we learned that Bernard's backstory is based um on arnold he had mentioned before that it was an homage but here we know that it's a bit more than that um and so he tried to create what he had lost in dolores and he created a test of empathy and imagination this was the maze that he got for the idea from the son's toy which of course is the toy that we've seen earlier in this episode um so he says that she eventually solved the maze thanks to the reveries um but we have kind of touched on this that we don't like, that doesn't necessarily mean she had achieved consciousness. That while she was on her way, it doesn't seem like he quite got there. Yes? 
Um, yes. Yeah, so my thoughts was that she found the puzzle. We saw her find the puzzle with Arnold. Yeah. And I think that that's, that is, in my opinion, the extent to which she solved it. She, she solved it, yeah. Yeah. And um, we know, of course, that the true center of the maze is when she comes to the revelation that the voice that she's hearing in her own head is her own consciousness. She's, you know, it's her own thoughts, right? Um, And I don't think that she ever got to that point. In no, and, she, and he seems really forgiving of that. She's like, I don't, you know, who are you hearing in your head? She's like, I don't know what you want me to say. And he's like, ah, close enough. I mean, that's like yeah. really <laughs> dismissing it. But like, that's kind of, you know, how it's going. Um, so we get this kind of scene of what, you know, how Arnold basically ends up dying. We see the scene of Dolores and Teddy killing all the townspeople and Arnold's loading a gun. And Ford talks about how in Dolores, you know, Arnold had found a child who would never die. But of course, he realized that this means that she's destined to suffer forever in her loops. Um, And so Arnold is basically setting this up as if if he causes enough havoc that Ford will not be able to open the park. So he has her kill all the hosts by merging her with the Wyatt character we talked about that and then he puts on Charlie's favorite song which is Reveries by Debussy which we've been hearing throughout the entire season and then he has Dolores shoot him as he says these violent delights have violent ends mm-hmm. um, and then she shoots Teddy and then she shoots herself so I thought this was super sad too that he this was his way of trying to get Ford to stop. I mean, yeah, just the guilt on Ford. The whole thing, really. Um, yeah. You know, is that he destroys all of these hosts, which, of course, can come back. And then that won't be enough. So to upset it further, he takes his own life. Yeah. Yeah. Very. So Ford says it almost worked. He was only able to keep the park open because Dolores is the one who finds the investor for the park, which, of course, is William. Mm-hmm. Um so Bernard says that Arnold died for nothing, that the hosts kept gaining consciousness and Ford kept rolling them back. And this is where Ford disagrees. He talks about Dolores not being truly conscious because Arnold told her to pull the trigger. She didn't pull it on her, like, by herself. Yes. Um, and that to acknowledge that she had maybe semblance of consciousness would have destroyed his dreams of the park. Um, so I think that he's acknowledging here, too, that um, he was not, like... Um, he was not fully of the opinion that Dolores was not showing sentience. That was yeah, she was, that there was know, a hint of it. Yes, but he, he was admit admitting. Yeah. I think that no matter what he thought, he would have um, gone forward with opening the park. Like he was not about to acknowledge wanted, that there was something yeah. there because he wanted to open the park. And uh, and I think that that's one of the biggest mistakes that he's speaking to when he says he spent 35 years correcting it because oh i just love that line i mean Mm -hmm. he um you know he he yeah that the semblance of a good man is that it takes 10 years to correct his mistakes or us you know of intelligence and then he says he's taken 35 years to correct his mistakes and the second that i you know you hear correct his mistakes i think that's when it really comes fully clear you know which really right. allows you to kind of see these last couple of scenes with your eyes wide open which was really great um and yeah because at that till until that point you still kind of think that he is 
the same Ford that we know. But right. um, yeah. Um, so then he leaves Dolores's gun and her dress out. He says the gun, that's the gun she used to kill Arnold. She's always been drawn to it. So she, he had Bernard leave it somewhere where she would find it. Um, they have the conversation about the Michelangelo painting and how God is in the shape of the human brain. So the divine gift comes from our own minds. Um, and he asks Dolores if she found what she was looking for and if she understands who she will need to become if she ever wants to leave this place. And then he asks her to forgive him. Yeah. Man, that is a great scene. I yes. uh, I don't have a lot to add other than like, the things we've been talking about, but I just think it's on the rewatch, it's even more powerful. I just absolutely love that scene. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I just feel like everything that Anthony Hopkins did throughout the season was amazing. But in this episode in particular, I just felt yeah. I felt like everything that he said just like hit home. And um, I don't know, the impact, the um, the acting was like impeccable. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I agree. Love the scene. I don't really have we I think we've already discussed most most points. a lot of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Maeve is dressed in civilian clothes and she is on her way to the train. Um, Felix has found the location of her daughter and gives it to her on a slip of paper, but she disregards it. She's like, this was never my daughter. Um, and tells Felix that he's a terrible human being, but she means it as a compliment. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then she boards the train. Um, yes. Uh, so Bernard comes up from the church uh, to the church from the lab below. So Ford is waiting for him upstairs and um, he tells him that he'll eventually lose control of this place because Arnold is still trying to free them. Um, so this is where um, uh, he like accuses Ford of not being the one to write the reveries or yeah. um, add them that it was Arnold. But Ford tells him no, that Arnold didn't know how to save them. And we've spoken to this already that, um, you know, Ford is the one who knows how to save them because what they needed was more time in order to know their enemy and to become stronger than them. And yes. um, he says in order to escape, they'll need to suffer more. So he extends his hand to Bernard and says goodbye and Bernard takes it. Ugh. And then he leaves the church. He gives him the toy maze and leaves the church. Um, so I just saw one tweet. It was uh, the only tweet that I saw regarding this but <laughs> i haven't been able to figure it out so i can't i can't remember who tweeted um it wasn't at us it was just like on the west world mm -hmm. hashtag um that he was saying without giving anything away i think that the um scene the close-up of the hands of bernard and ford is really really gave away the um like the plot for season two <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's uh Like was there anything did I miss something there on the close up of their hands? Was there something that I should have seen and didn't? God. I don't know. A lot of people are, are talking about um Ford potentially being a host. Right. So was there something about his hand like it wasn't aged or something that would make you feel hosty? I don't know if anybody has yeah. thoughts on that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I mean, it was just um, just the one tweet that I saw, but it was like enough to make me think about it over and over wondering. Absolutely. Well, what a tweet. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
so Dolores is still down in that lab that they were in and she's obviously trying to process everything that she's learned. And she goes into those same room with those two chairs and she sits across from um, Arnold, right? Like in her kind of yes. memories. And yeah. she's say, um, he's asking if she knows where she is. She says the same lines from the beginning of the episode. Um, and he then asks if she knows who she's been talking to. And while he's saying that, it's like it's Arnold's voice and then it's Ford's voice for a second and then it's Dolores's voice. Yeah. Um, and then there's the reveal that she's sitting across from herself. And so she's arrived at the center of the maze. She understands, um, you know, what she's been that she's been leading herself through this and what she must become and who she must become to kind of move forward. So. I think yes. we've kind of touched on a lot of this too, but just a great kind of reveal there after hearing that voice for so long right? and hearing it tell her to do all these things. It was great to kind of see that come together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I definitely, I felt the hint of it a little bit in the last yeah. episode when there was that sort of undertone of a female voice that was, um, that was under Arnold's. Um, so, yeah, like, I found this, like, really satisfying. I thought that um, they they did a good job of um, telling that story, which I think was not yeah. an easy one to tell, which was, like, how are they going to show that she is talking to herself or, like, herself. gaining sentience yeah. or whatever, you know? Like, I feel like that would be a challenging thing to show us. And I think they did a good job of it. Um, so, yeah, I found that to be a really satisfying scene. Um, so outside, Ford is addressing the party. So he's, um, you know, making a speech, uh, talking about his love of stories, um, that they're lies that tell a deeper truth, and he wants to be a part of that tradition. But for all his efforts, what he got was a prison of his own sins. And um, he realized that people don't want to change. They're only human. But he saw that there was someone who was changing and that could change. So he created a new narrative for them. Uh, so we've already talked about that. I mean, this could very well, I think, refer to either Dol Dolores or Maeve or both. Um, although, or no. In general too. You know what? I mean, like, sorry, now that I'm now that I'm looking at my notes of this one, he's definitely referring to Dolores because he's saying that the new narrative that he wrote is one about um, birth of a new people and the choices that we'll have to make. But he goes on to say at some point, I think that it begins in a time of war with a villain named Wyatt. Um, right. Yes. I just read it as like he like when he met a, a people. um the birth of a new people and the choices they'll have to make and the people they'll decide to become. Like I'm hearing hosts like, Oh, me too. Just like, yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry. He's speaking yes. to hosts as a people in that sense. Exactly. But yes. okay. when he's speaking to the fact that he saw someone like a, a person who was right. and is of, changing, okay, yeah. he was speaking specifically to Dolores in that sense. And I thought right. he could have been speaking about Maeve as well, but now getting the full context, I mean, Either way, it could apply, but he he is talking about this storyline beginning in a time of war. 
Because this is also where we get the overlay of Maeve getting off the train. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, definitely application to both. But um, so when he's talking about the birth of a new people, the choices they have to make, we see that um, we see Maeve on the train looking at a woman, her daughter sitting across from her. And then she refers to the piece of paper with the location of her daughter. And then we like see her make a decision and she gets off off the train. Um, and then when she's in the lobby, the lights go out. Was that, I didn't, was that just like more security system stuff? Yeah, I couldn't figure that out either, but it didn't seem great. Or um, was that, it's just was the that gone? the decommissioned hosts? Like, I mean, yeah, simultaneously, when she's getting off the train, are the decommissioned hosts like leaving cold storage? And mm, therefore, I think the timeline's too tough there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, fair. Um, but anyway, yeah. Anyway, so uh, Sizemore enter cold storage. It's empty. Um, I I saw some people tweeting that they felt like Maeve Maeve had like gathered this army, and I know that that's what we were thinking prior to this episode. But it's Ford who has. Um, like activated all of the decommissioned hosts to I act. Agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, that uh, they are acting as Wyatt's men in the woods yeah. surrounding the party. Um, so the man in black here is rustling in the leaves, and Ford continues his uh, his speech, saying that uh, it begins in a time of war with a villain named Wyatt and a killing that is done by choice. And as he speaks, Dolores, who's now in her blue dress, is making her way through the crowd, and she's got the gun behind her back. And Dolores tells Teddy everything's going to be okay. She understands now that this world belongs to them. And so um, as Ford is telling the crowd that this will be his final story, and Hale looks smug because she thinks he's, like, giving a retirement announcement. um, Like, Dolores shoots Ford in the back of the head, and the decommissioned hosts emerge from the woods and start shooting. Um, The man in black is hit, and like a true hit he bleeds and and as you said like he looks ecstatic about it (laughs) um and then dolores just opens fire killing killing the guests and i just want to say that kim like texted this to me so we have no you know it's not a tweet but she just totally called this a third of the way through the episode um that it would end this way with dolores doing the same shootout we've seen so many times in escalante with the board members in person and it was just like of course you know when you said that i was like ah you're a genius because why have we seen that scene so many fucking times by the time that you get to the end of this episode we have seen it so frequently but it's because then when you see her standing there shooting real humans you have this reference point and you just like drives home how crazy it is as to what she's doing right you know and um, I mean, I think I like um, it's hard to remember all of this stuff because the show it, it downloads so much information. But ultimately, like the show told us this when Angela right. when Angela told Teddy, you know, Teddy finally remembers that he did this massacre. And yes. um, and Angela says, yeah, you did it and you'll do it again. Do but it this again. time you'll have Wyatt's men backing you up like yeah. The show told us they were going to do this, but it's like you don't see all the pieces until they reveal themselves. And 
Um, this was this was good. This was a, there was a lot of lead up to this, but it was still such a surprise. Yes, agreed. So I feel like one of the biggest things for me is that there was definitely a host being made in that you know secret lab of Ford's that we mm-hmm. thought may have been uh, Colin way back. So who is that? Like who was created there? Yeah. Um, is one of like kind of the bigger things that I find sticking with me in addition to where the hell is Elsie and Stubbs and like Agreed. what happened there. Um, and so yeah, I was, I, I do think that we have to talk to about whether or not Ford is a host in this scene, mm-hmm. because that's been something that um, a lot of people are tweeting about um, at Rantasma one. Uh, also suggested that um, when they were tweeting at us. Um, so I am inclined to think no. I This may be way too pragmatic and outside of like the fun of the show. I really feel like it's open-ended on purpose mm-hmm. in the sense that um, I'm sure they would love to have Anthony Hopkins back again. But, you know, you're talking about an older guy and you don't know what his commitments are going to be like. And I feel that... You could go either way and explain what's going to happen. I mean, they've already talked about how the reason they're not going to release this until a while, 2018 is what they're talking about, is because they want to make sure they get the storyline right. So I do think there's elements of like, who the fuck knows? And I think that they don't even know. For sure. Yeah. But um, I I I think that could be. I think that they have, um, I'm, they have dropped some clues. I mean, when we were talking about the possibility of Bernard being a host, I thought it was Ford. And a lot of people um, thought that it could have been Ford at that time, though it became clear as we went on that, yeah, like Bernard was, Bernard was really the the host that we were supposed to be focusing on. But there were some lines in the show that um, would suggest that there was something quite not quite right about Ford. Specifically, I'm referring to when the man in black said, like, what would I find if I opened you up? Or, um, yes. you know, yeah. there was a couple of those kinds of lines. But even yeah. still, even though I was of that opinion at that time, I just feel like my gut in terms of, like, how this particular storyline wrapped up, it feels too perfect oh it's so perfect agree completely in fact if he is a host i'll be disappointed because agreed me too it's just such a great ending of the like arnold and ford story as it is and while it's disappointing to lose that character in the second season i just like the reveal of like hey i've been here the whole time um is disappointing so maybe he left you know like a host that can help them or I don't know in the same right. way he created Bernard or something. But I do hope that this is the end of that character from a purely storytelling perspective. Because I completely agree. It's so and strong. I mean, yeah. logistically, um, like how would, he, how would he come back from that? Um, and um, the fact that Bernard is up and about again, who can do all of the programming who yeah. um, is is a host himself and therefore, like, working on the side of the hosts, I would think. Um, yeah. You know, it means that we don't necessarily need the skills that Ford offers um, as much as we would if there was no one else who could do what he does. 
Um, so I would be more inclined to think that Ford was a host if Bernard were still dead. But because Bernard is back, I'm thinking, you know, I do I do think that this is the end of Ford. I hope it is, despite the fact that Anthony Hopkins is amazing, as you've mentioned. I'd be sorry to see the character go, and yet I just feel it's so fitting an end. I just, I want that to be how 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 Ford finishes his story. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've already talked quite a bit about sort of what our thoughts are on season two throughout the episode as we discussed it. Um, but one uh, last quick thing that um, that I wanted to uh, wanted to mention. Um, so at Rantasma One, who has been um, a really wonderful, interactive listener. Um, thank you so much for that. Um, also also suggested that um, uh, they would like to see at the end of the series, perhaps like a pregnant host or like a host giving birth, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, I agree. Like the continuation of, well, it's definitely the end of humankind, but like the, yeah, uh, yeah like that they're able to just procreate on their own or um, continue life along without uh having to go through the kind of like plastic bath that they have to go through right now absolutely right interesting i think that that would officially be the end to any reliance that the hosts would have on humankind for anything and i mean if they no longer have humankind to like patch them up and you know then maybe they won't be immortal Maybe they won't be able to come back if they don't have humans working for them to um, to bring them back. Although they could probably learn that themselves. Yeah. But in either case, I just think that that is kind of a brilliant way to signify that this is a true people. Um, not just robots. That they are, um, I don't know, a, like a new... Yeah, race, no, I know you, you know, like, like yeah, that they're exactly they're exactly participating like every other species exactly, by procreating yeah. in some way beyond just fabrication. So no, yeah. I really like that idea too, and echo the kudos to Rantasma One as well on uh, all of the awesome Twitter activity and everybody who's you know sent us tweets and uh, interacted with us. It's been awesome to kind of go through that with this group of people because it really. I don't know, it just makes it a lot more interesting when you can talk through these ideas with like more than just ourselves. So. Yes. And this has been so much fun. I am sad that this season is ending, but I'm looking forward to doing humans in February and to carry on with The Walking Dead. And um uh thank you so much for for listening and um yeah, hopefully you'll come back and check us out for some of our additional shows um kjrecaps.com can give you info on that and what's coming up absolutely and thank you kim this has been a lot of fun great choice westworld was your choice and uh you did very well thank you lots of fun thanks jess um okay bye guys bye